My name is Dorothy Huns, and I teach here at ADC in the areas of uh, pastoral care and chaplaincy. And it is my honor and great pleasure to have this opportunity to bring the message this morning. The passage that I've chosen is from, I keep wanting to look over at that screen. I've got to remember to look at the back. Um, the passage that I've chosen this morning is a very familiar one from Mark chapter 6, verses 30 to 44, Mark's account of Jesus feeding the 5,000. And I want to do something a little bit different this morning. Instead of um, preaching a message, um, I want to really just offer some reflections, but actually also invite you to join in that reflection process with me. So for that reason, instead of just reading the passage, I'm going to, I, I will read it, but want to invite you to enter into it in some imaginative meditation. So I think that might be a little bit uh, more difficult, perhaps for those of us who are here in the room than for those of you who are online, um, because sometimes it can be difficult for us to be still uh, when we're surrounded by, by lots of people, but we're going we're gonna to try it nonetheless. So I invite you to, uh, to close your eyes, if you would like, to uh, just be comfortable, if possible, um, have your feet flat on the ground, um, uncross your arms. Uh, it's about sort of having an open posture, and just be aware of uh, your feet on the ground. Be aware of the chair that is supporting you. Take, uh, take a couple of deep breaths. And just seek to be present with yourself. And more than that, acknowledge that Jesus and our Father and the Spirit are present here with us here in this room and with all of, all of you who are online. And I invite you to, uh, as I say, enter imaginatively into this uh, encounter with Jesus. So I'm gonna read the passage a couple of times, and then I'm gonna give some silence for you to just, um, in the words of one author, to imaginatively daydream on the passage, but really just imagine yourself in the scene uh, don't try to learn anything from it. Don't try to analyze it. Just watch, listen, particularly be attentive to Jesus. And also be attentive to yourself and what thoughts and emotions, questions might be burbling up inside of you. Uh, also, just so you know, in case so you're not surprised, I'm not going to read the entire passage. Uh, I'm going to stop at uh, verse 37. The apostles gathered around Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. They had just come back from their missions trip. And he said to them, come away to a deserted place all by yourselves and rest a while. For many were coming and going and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a deserted place by themselves. Now many saw them going. And recognized them, and they hurried there on foot from all the towns and arrived ahead of them. As Jesus went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion for them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. 
When it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, this is a deserted place and the hour is now very late. Send the people away so they, can, so they may go into the surrounding country and villages and buy something for themselves to eat. But he answered them, you give them something to eat. And reading again, the apostles gathered around Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, come away to a deserted place all by yourselves and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a deserted place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they hurried there on foot from all the towns and arrived ahead of them. And as Jesus went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion for them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. When it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, this is a deserted place, and the hour is now very late. Send the people away so that they may go into the surrounding country and villages and buy something for themselves to eat. But he answered them, you give them something to eat. So in the silence now, just take some time to be with Jesus and be aware of what you see and what you hear and what you feel and what you think.
Jesus, take our thoughts, take our collective reflections today, those in each one of our own hearts and those uh, that I'm about to share and bring your good out of them and with them and in them and work it through us. We pray in your name. Amen. Uh, what I'm about to share may be similar from similar to some of the thoughts that you had. It may, they may be different. It doesn't really matter. Um, the point is, is that we're engaging with this passage. So hold on to the things that came to mind for you. And, uh, and then we'll see where this goes. As I think about this passage, uh, a few things jump out to me. Actually, there's, there's four in particular, and those are the four things that I want to uh, reflect on this morning. And the first, that, the first thing that strikes out, uh, that stands out to me, is that Jesus is the one who identified the disciples' need. It's hard to know what the disciples were feeling when they gathered around him. We can't know for sure. I can only imagine, I mean, imagine if it was me and I had just come back from this, this mission trip and I had been preaching and casting out demons and seeing people healed. I think I'd be pretty excited. I'd be pretty buoyed up. I'd be pretty, um, you know, clamoring to tell Jesus, oh, you should have seen when this happened and that happened. And just, you know, kind of vibrating with energy and vibrating. Um, just vibrating. And, and yet it's Jesus who says to them, you know what, I think you need some time away. Come away. I know you're full of energy right now, but come away. Come away and be with me. You need some time away. You need to eat. And you need some time together with one another and with me. Jesus is the one. Jesus, our shepherd, is the one who knows our need better than we do. Jesus is the one who maybe even cares for our need more than we do. And Jesus is the one who desires that we get from him what we need. He honors our need. He respects it. He loves it. He accepts it. And he desires that we have what we need in him. I don't know about you, but I think sometimes I don't think of Jesus this way. I think oftentimes I think he doesn't really understand what I need, or it feels like that to me at some times, sometimes. But Jesus is the one who knows our need and wants us to get it, maybe even more than we do. So thank you, Jesus, that this is who you are, um, that you know what we need and you want to give us what we need. The second thing that stands out to me about Jesus in this passage, and this is, I mean, it's pretty obvious. Um, uh, this isn't a revelatory thought, but is the depth of his compassion for the people. He saw that they were like sheep without a shepherd, desperate for hope, desperate for life, desperate for understanding, desperate for purpose, desperate for meaning. Desperate probably for so many things that they didn't even have words for and maybe even weren't aware of. And so Jesus couldn't help but be their shepherd 
and give them the words of life that his father, that he had been given by his father. Jesus's compassion came from the bowels of his being. The Greek word, which I am not going to pronounce. I don't know if Danny's here or not. Anyway, I'm not going to pronounce it, but that Greek word means that it comes from the bowels, comes from the depths. It wasn't, it wasn't head compassion. It wasn't sort of neck empathy. It was deep gut compassion. He saw that they were people who were lost, who did not have a shepherd, and he couldn't help but give them what he had to give them. And with all of that said, I have to be really honest with you that when I read this part of the text, I actually find myself having mixed feelings about it. And the reason is this, on the one hand, I am deeply stirred, deeply stirred by Jesus's compassion. I hear these words, he saw that they were like sheep without a shepherd and I feel the desire and I feel the yearning and I feel the, the compulsion to want to be with Jesus in his shepherding, to be an under shepherd with him and to be one who works with him to bring life and hope and meaning and purpose and freedom and grace to those who are lost. And my friends, it seems to me we live in a pretty lost world right now. But on the other hand, I can't help but wonder what's going on inside the disciples. Jesus, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? I didn't know I needed this. You helped me see this. And what are you doing? You're taking us right back into it again. What about our rest? What about our need to eat? What about our time away with you? What about our need? What are you doing? Why are you doing this? And this passage in such an innocuous and sneaky and subtle way puts a finger and shines a light on one of those key issues we face in ministry day in and day out. What do we do with our need in the face of other people's needs? And maybe even more importantly than this, it, it gives us permission to ask, Jesus, how do you really see my need in relation to the people you are calling me to minister to? Do you really honor it? Do you really respect it? Do you really love it and accept it? Do you really desire for me to have my needs met in you? Or is our need only valid until a greater need presents itself? I think we need to sit with this a little bit. Because this is, this is a huge conundrum that we face in ministry. And if you find yourself in any way asking yourself similar questions to this, then I want to say to you, ask them. 
Don't shy away from them. Ask these questions of Jesus. What does this mean? How am I to take this? How am I to understand my need in the face of all these other needs? In the face of the demands of school that you have called me to, how am I to think about this? And so I think perhaps our prayer needs to be Jesus. Help us to be in conversation with you about this. And help us to hear what you are saying to us about this. The third thing that strikes me about Jesus in this passage is that he's not willing to put up with our... I'll let you fill in the blank. Um, with whatever strength of word you want to fill it in with. Um, he's not willing to put up with our malarkey. Um, <laughs> was that the word you were thinking of? It was just such a fun word. I just had to use it. He's not willing <laughs> to put up with our malarkey. He's not willing to put up with our half-hearted attempts at care. He's, he's not willing to put up with our less than compassionate attempts at care. He's not willing to put up with our self-interest that masquerades as care and concern. And he's not willing to put up with our blatant disregard or our blatant disinterest in genuinely caring. The disciples say to Jesus, Jesus, it's late. Send these people away so they can go and get food. I don't know, once again, I don't know what was in the mind of the disciples and what was in their hearts when they said this, but it seems pretty clear from Jesus's response that they were trying to give him something that he was not going to take, buy, receive. They were shoveling something out. And so Jesus, you can almost hear it. Okay. All right. You want them to be fed. All right. You feed them. You give them something to eat. I'm going to call you on this. Jesus' words, I can only imagine, um, cut to the quick. They certainly cut through the crap. And they put a finger on whatever was going on in the disciples' hearts in that moment. But I think it's also important to note that these are not words of judgment. They are words of conviction. They are words of truth. They are very pointed words of truth, penetrating words of truth. But they are, I think, also grace-filled words of truth and conviction. Because they are words which are meant to free the disciples from their perspectives, from their ways of thinking, their limited ways of thinking, their ways of being, which were keeping them bound and keeping them from experiencing the abundance of God's grace, not only for them, but also for the people. Jesus wanted them to know more of who he is and the abundance that he has to offer. And that's why he put his finger on it. Not so that they would feel badly about themselves, but that so they could see more of who he is.
Jesus, thank you that you are the one who loves us and embraces us, even in the midst of our limited and sometimes self-interested perspectives. And thank you also that you don't leave us with these things alone, but that you invite us again and again into a deeper experience of your grace and abundance for us and for others. The final thing that stands out to me about Jesus in this account is that Jesus is the one who doesn't let our mixed motives, who doesn't let our limited ways of thinking, who doesn't let our sin, who doesn't let our ordinariness, our lack of resources, disqualify us from being a part of the miraculous work that he is doing in the world. After these words of grace-filled, pointed conviction come the words of invitation. How many loaves do you have? Go and see. What do you have? What do you have right now when you're tired, when you're weary, when you've spent so much already? What do you have? Because that's enough. That's enough. You don't have to offer something that you don't have. I simply invite you to offer what you do have. And I invite you to do this. Not, not to put more on your shoulders. But I invite you to do this because I want you to be a part of this work with me. I want you. I want you to be a part of what I'm doing. I want you to experience the joy of that. Oh, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for drawing us. Thank you for letting us, even us, even as we are right now, be a part of your gracious and abundant work in this world. Work which gives evidence to the humility, the love, the grace, the forgiveness, the abundance, the joy, the peace that characterizes the kingdom of God and, and distinguishes the kingdom of God from the kingdoms of this world as evidenced by Herod and the account of Herod's banquet and the beheading of John, which precedes this text. Herod's kingdom, which is characterized by pride and arrogance and corruption and definitely self-interest. Jesus invites us to be a part of the work which demonstrates not our sufficiency, but his sufficiency. And he invites us to be a part of the work which proclaims the truth of who he is, that he is the Messiah, the anointed one, the one who has come to bring salvation and grace to all the world, who follows in the footsteps of Moses, who follows in the footsteps of the prophets. Thank you, Jesus, that in you we are enough right now to join you in the work that you are doing right now. By way of bringing this to a close, I want to ask a question of the passage. Um, did the disciples get what they needed? 
maybe more importantly, I want to ask you that question. What do you think? And, and it's not a rhetorical question. What do you think? Did the disciples get what they needed? Um, it may be that you think they did. It may be that you think are not so sure if they did. And the reality is, is that the answer to your to this question, the answer that you give isn't really the important part. Um, because the question is simply an invitation to be talking with Jesus about what you think. And not to shy away from it if you're, if you're not sure that they really got what they needed. Let's commit to talk with Jesus about this. And Jesus, thank you that you give us this invitation. Please join me in prayer. Jesus, thank you that you know what we need and what we need even today. Thank you that you are already at work meeting us and providing for us what we need. Thank you that you encourage us to ask you for what we need. And so, Jesus, we ask you again today that you would provide us with our daily bread, with all that we need for this day. And thank you. Thank you for the promise that no matter what we are doing, whether we're parsing Greek, answering emails, writing an essay, that even in these things, you are inviting us and enabling us to be a part of your work in the world. Bring your good out of these things. Bring your fruition. Um, accomplish your will and your ways, we pray in your name. Amen.